I'm going to invite you to join me. If you have a Bible, but the words the words will be on the screen. The final chapter of John's Gospel, Gospel of John, chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. 
but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he said, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on Jesus on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but I will that if I will that he remains till I die, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. As I noted last week, as we drew to a close of John chapter 20, it sounds as if John is concluding the gospel. These are the final two verses of John chapter 20. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So read my gospel, so read my gospel, so read my gospel, so read what the Holy Spirit has pushed through my stylus for your benefit. But there's still one last issue that needs to be addressed. We know that Jesus is God the Son, become flesh. This is all laid out in John's Gospel. He did all these signs. John just lays out seven specifics on seven of the thousands of miracles that Jesus did. He lays out the details on just seven, but that's enough. The seventh miracle was the resurrection of Lazarus. And then we have the narrative of Jesus, the upper room discourse, chapters 13 through 17, where he is reorienting the apostles on what awaits them. What was their understanding? If you go back to the opening, all the Gospels, when the apostles are being called, when Jesus is putting the 12 together and they're acknowledging that he is joyously acknowledging that he is the Messiah and the kingdom promises are going to be fulfilled in him. John the Baptist is pointed at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I, John the Baptist, baptized him. And when I baptized him, when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove and lit upon him. That was his anointing. That was when he became Messiah, Christ, the anointed of God. That, that dove was the picture of the Holy Spirit. Anointing oil is a picture, an emblem of the Holy Spirit. And I, John the Baptist, heard the words from the Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
This was the testimony those disciples of John the Baptist who became disciples of Jesus heard that testimony. What are they expecting? Well, you read the Hebrew Scriptures about what Messiah would accomplish, and 90-plus percent of it, folks, is wonderful kingdom glory. He's going to come in. He's going to defeat all of Israel's enemies. He's going to gather all of God's people, and they're all going to experience wonderful kingdom glory. There's going to be this mighty, triumphant, conquering Messiah. In John's Gospel, as well as the others, the triumphal entry of Jesus into into Jerusalem. They're meeting him. The massive crowds are meeting him with palm branches, which are perfect symmetry. They are are already a symbol of coming of the kingdom. They have etched in the walls of the temple palm leaves because it is an emblem of coming kingdom glory. They're meeting Jesus with these palm branches. They're laying them in the road. They're casting their garments down on the road. This is the coming king, and Jesus shocks them when he says, this is recorded in John's Gospel, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Uh, That's not the Son of... The crowd says back, what Son of Man are you talking about? Lifted up was that kind, gentle word of saying crucified. That was the term they used in the culture for crucifixion. And he says, the Son of Man, I have come, I will be the conquering king, but before I'm the conquering king, I must come and be the servant king. Otherwise, there won't be any inhabitants in the kingdom. (laughs) I've got to qualify you to be a kingdom citizen. And so I must go to the cross. Now we're filling in some things here. I must go to the cross. I must pay sin's penalty for you so that having been forgiven, having my own righteousness attached to your account, you might find a welcome in the kingdom. I've got to be your serving king before I can be that conquering king. Jesus has already had this confused conflict with the apostles. You will recall in the gospel accounts when when Peter has cried out, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and and they're all rejoicing. Yes, we've all come to that understanding. That's who you are. That's who you are. And then Jesus says, tells them for the first time, the Son of Man will be arrested, given an unjust trial, be crucified, and then rise from the dead. And Peter takes him aside and says, not so, Lord! We didn't sign up for that. What are you talking about? Get behind me, Satan. For if you do not savor the things that be of you savor the things that be of men instead of the things that be of God. That was the first indication they had, and they continued to follow him. But there's this confusion that's begun to rage in their heart, and then they see Jesus fulfill those words of being arrested. By the way, Jesus protected them when he was arrested. What did he say to the arresting officers? Who have you come to arrest? You. Then the rest of these you can let go. And so they allowed the apostles to leave, except that Peter and John followed him, 
John was known to the high priest's household, so he just was able to walk in, and then he was able to get Peter allowed in. And Peter, the same Peter who had said, Lord, everyone else may desert you, but not me. I will die rather than desert you. And Jesus said to him, what? The rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. There is, their job description got changed, their expectations got changed, then Peter, who was the most boastful, the most adamant about his loyalty, collapsed. He denied Jesus three times, and upon that third time, immediately the rooster crowed. And so we have this fellow Peter who has been in the upper room. Jesus has appeared to him. He has received Jesus breathed on him. Along with the other apostles, he received the Holy Spirit, all of this. But now we have this final chapter where what is Peter, what are we going to do with this? When we answered that call to be his followers initially, it was with the expectation of coming kingdom glory. And then our job description got changed. Our expectations got changed. And now the promise to us, restated in the Upper Room Discourse in the Gospel of John, I have been taking the brunt of the opposition. Now you will be. Because I will be gone, you will be taking the brunt of the opposition. And so all their, their whole expectation has been changed. And even though they have witnessed the resurrected Christ has come, granted them all these benefits, all of the, the blessing of breathing on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit, what is Peter doing? I think, now this is reading into the text, but here is the man who is called from being a fisherman, going back to fishing going back to fishing. Jesus, upon calling Peter in the first place, said, you have been a fisher of, of fish. <laughs> I will make you a fisher of men. And so Peter is, they're up in Galilee, which Jesus had instructed them to go to Galilee. I will meet you in Galilee. There is what John calls the Sea of Tiberias. Sea of Tiberias is the Roman name for the Sea of Galilee. Okay, let's go fishing. And he's joined by six other men, a total of seven men, two of which are not named. The others are all named. And they go out and they spend the entire night fishing and not caught one fish. These are, at least some of them are professional fishermen. They've caught nothing. <laughs> and as the sun has come up, they see this fellow a hundred yards away, that's how many cubits it is, a hundred yards, 300 feet, 200 cubits is 300 feet. And he's, they just see this fellow on there who says, have you caught anything? No, we haven't caught a thing. Throw the net on the other side. They throw the net on the other side and they can't even pull the, pull it in. And John, the apostle Oh, it's the Lord. And Peter, as we read in the text, Peter puts on his outer garment, which we had ta he'd taken off to keep it in good shape while he sweated away through the night. 
and he puts that garment and then dives in the water and swims the hundred yards from the boat to the shore. He wants to be in the presence of his Lord. But what is Peter's outlook? We've already described how the terms of their discipleship, the terms of their following Jesus, in their minds, they got, it got altered from stepping into immediate kingdom glory, soon coming kingdom glory, to, oh no, you're going to be persecuted. And what has Peter done? Peter disappointed himself. I, maybe the other 11 will run away, Lord, but not me. I'll die rather than do that. Oh, you won't, the rooster will not crow to you. You've denied me three times. And Peter is very disappointed in Peter. I don't think I'm really up to this. This really isn't what I signed up for in the first place anyways. And so they go out, they go fishing. They're in Galilee where Jesus has sent them. But what does Jesus say in verse 5? Children, have you any food? No. Cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. By the way, this is a repeat of another miracle, just like it, (laughs) at the beginning when they were called three years before. They can't even, they've caught nothing all night, now they throw the net in, and they're catching 153 large fish. And they're amazed that the net doesn't tear. It's more of a harvest of fish than the net is even designed to carry, being able to pull in. So they, Peter has dived into the water, put on his outer garment, dived into the water, and come to meet Jesus. And, of course, Jesus already has some fish and bread on a fire. So he's, got, he's all ready for them. And Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. So now the third time, this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Let's stop here. Simon, son of Jonah. Notice what he doesn't call him. Peter. When Jesus first met Simon, son of Jonah, he said to him, your name I'm going to change your name to Petras, Cephas. Cephas is Aramaic for stone. Petras is the Greek word for a fist-sized stone. I'm going to change your name from Simon, son of Jonah, to Peter, a stone. And he says to him, Simon, son of Jonah. What does Peter need? Peter had just a few days before said, everyone else may flee from you, but not me. Simon, was, Simon Peter was totally convinced of his loyalty to Jesus until the threats really came. 
And what happened? He fulfilled Jesus' promise to him. The rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. So he doesn't say, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah. What, what is the lesson, the principal lesson that Peter needs? He needs a lesson in humility. Now, we might look at what he's done and say, well, didn't he already get this lesson? In fact, he got the lesson so deeply, he may even be thinking of going back to being a fisherman instead of an apostle. But Jesus is highlighting this in, in Simon Peter's own heart and mind. Peter, you need to understand. You, ladies and gentlemen, we can't do the Christian life. We cannot fulfill the calling God has placed on us but he can through us. That's the thing we have to know. And Peter is still in the process of learning that. He's been with Jesus three plus years. He's still in the process of learning that. Have you ever had the temptation to throw in the towel on yourself? Lord, I'm such a failure. I'm such a failure. I'm such a failure. I just give up. Of course you have. Every single authentic disciple of Jesus has had that temptation because we have all failed. What does Jesus say to us? Trust me. Take a lesson from your failure. The cause of your failure was not allowing me to energize you in your role. We are all, our whole life experience until we come to faith in Christ is walking in our own energy, in our own wisdom, in our own power. And we need to learn how to set that aside and walk in, in his energy, in his direction. That's a, that's a simple, fundamental lesson that we have to learn. And learn again, and learn again, and learn again, and learn again, and again, and again, and again, and again. We have to learn it, but we have the God of unrestrained forgiveness. The same author of this gospel also said in First John chapter one, "If we confess our sins." Say the same thing about our sins that God says about them. That's what that word confess means. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us of all sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is the qualifying God. He qualifies us. We don't qualify ourselves. Peter still needs to deepen his understanding of that. He's apparently, by his actions, I don't think it's a big jump to, for us to think he may be considering going back to his old occupation. And other apostles are joining him in this enterprise. And Jesus says to him, not Peter, but Simon, son of Jonah, 
do you love me more than these? And the word translated love is the word agape. The two words for love here in this passage, there are two words for love. The one is agape love, and the other is phile love. Agape love is self-sacrificial love. Self-sacrificial love. That's the love of God that God has for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that he gave his own that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the word translated love there is agape love, self-sacrificial love, generous love. The word phile, it's a fine word, but it's friendship love. It's friendship love. Jesus asks Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape love me? What had Peter just a few days before said, everyone else may desert you, but not me. I'll die. I'll serve you with my life. I will forfeit my life rather than be disloyal to you. And then he failed, failed, failed. Jesus asks him, do you agape love me? me. Do you love me with self-sacrificial love? Peter replies, Simon Barjona replies, yes, Lord, I love you. Phile love. Oh, I love you with you are my friend type love. Now that can mean a lot. The word friend in the first century Mediterranean world was somebody who set aside his own interests for the interests of his friend. He put his friend's interests first. But agape love is clearly a higher level of true sacrifice. But Peter has gotten a measure of that humility lesson. That's why he responds with, Lord, you know that I love you, phile. And Jesus replied, Feed my lambs. I am reappointing you as one of my under shepherds. Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Again, agape love. He said to him, you lo- Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Again, he uses the word phile, love. I don't want to claim to be the self-sacrificial lover. Again, he says, Lord, you know that I love you. Friendship, love. And Jesus replies, he said to him, tend my sheep. He, Jesus, said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? This time, Jesus used the word that Simon Barjona has been using. Do you feel a love me? You've declared now two times that you love me as a friend loves a friend. Really? Are you sure? And Simon is... What had he done just a few days before? He denied Christ publicly three times. 
Peter, can you even say authentically that you love me as a friend? Can you say that? And he, Simon Barjona, said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Again, file. And Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. I'm willing to take you and welcome you back as an apostle, as a servant, with that understanding that the now more humble Peter, he's not willing to say agape love. He distrusts himself. Ladies and gentlemen, it is important that as followers of Jesus, we distrust ourselves. Why? Because if we distrust ourselves, that impels us to cry out to God for his strength so we can walk in his strength because we don't trust our own strength. We don't trust our own strength. And so what Peter has replied, (coughs) Jesus accepts that reply. Feed my sheep. And then he actually adds heaviness to this. Now, by the way, John's Gospel is close to one of the last books written of the New Testament. It's written at least 50 years after the events. He is writing in the 80s and 90s AD. Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead and ascended into heaven in 33 AD. This is written in the 80s or early 90s AD. And so John is looking back on this, and, he, and Peter has, as this book is being written, Peter has already been martyred. He's already gone. And John knows what it was like, what Peter went through. But Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. You will end your life in a way you don't wish to end your life. And what, in fact, happened with Peter, he was in Rome. He's preaching the gospel. He is arrested. And because he's a non-Roman citizen who refuses to worship the emperor, he is subject to crucifixion. And so some Roman soldiers are assigned the duty of crucifying this fellow Peter. And on the way to the crucifixion, this we know this from church history, Peter tells the, the soldiers who are assigned to crucify him exactly how they're going to do this. I'm not worthy to die in the same exact way as my Lord. So when, we, when you crucify me, you're going to crucify me upside down. And those fellows obeyed him. <laughs> they did what he said. What's John saying? Jesus is disclosing to Simon Peter, you're going to end your life in a difficult way. 
You will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Then he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. I've just told you you're going to go out in a painful, dreadful way. That's how your life will end. Follow me. And Peter did. Interesting. Here's a little addendum. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also, and this is John's, how John uniformly through this gospel refers to himself. He never names himself. He's always the disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his, Jesus' breast at the supper, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Never compare what God has called you to with someone else's calling. That's not our job. The master is the master is the master. We are the servants. Lord, What about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? Mind your own business. You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. By the way, he is writing this gospel many decades later. He is the last surviving apostle. (laughs) So it's not outrageous that this rumor might be floating around among the church. Hey, is John going to be still walking the planet when Jesus comes? If I will remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. Stop it. No. Let's end that Silly rumor right now. But if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? That's a simple way of Jesus saying to Simon, son of Jonah, you just tend to you. I'll tend to John. This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Well, here is an entire gospel, and he focuses on seven signs out of thousands. Out of thousands that Jesus did, plus the eighth sign, Jesus' own resurrection. This is just a sample of the testimony that our Lord made. But disciples, and I'm speaking to myself as much as to you, what is our job? It's to love Jesus. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
Mark, do you love me? Tom, do you love me? Julie, do you love me? Faith, do you love me? Are you willing to sacrifice your own life plan? Are you willing to sacrifice financially? Are you willing to sacrifice even with your life as my servant? How did Jesus serve us? He sacrificed his life. He's not asking any more from us than what he did for, for us. The humble walk is the servant walk. And the willingness to be used by God makes you useful to God. When you walk with humility, you will discover yourself being used by God in very unexpected ways. All to his glory and your ultimate kingdom glory as well. Let's pray together. Our Father, this is our calling to follow you. And it's happening every day in this world right now that there are followers of you who are going out as Peter did, being killed for no other reason than their loyalty to you. We ask that you would strengthen them. We also ask, Lord, that the same spirit would rest upon us, that we would be willing to self-sacrificially love and follow you, obey you. And the promise to us is outrageous, immeasurable kingdom glory. We ask that you would enable us to walk in this this week. And Lord, again, for those people for whom we prayed earlier in this time together, we ask that you would shepherd them through the pain, the issues, whether they're physical or emotional, shepherd them through all to your praise and glory. Use us, enable us to truly agape love you, we ask. In your name, Shepherd Jesus, our Deliverer, our Savior, our Redeemer, we pray. Amen.